the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For most, we just can't tolerate God's ultimate sovereignty over all of his creation. Oh, you see, he's like one of us, and if he's one of us, then he could possibly go rogue, and then that would be bad. We fail to realize that God is not one of us, and he is ultimately pure and perfect. The good pleasure of God's will is up next. Join us. Hi there. Welcome. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, our pastor here at Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Today we're in Luke chapter 2, looking at the good pleasure of God's will. Now, again, as I mentioned a moment ago, it's hard for us to understand God's sovereignty and His will ultimately ruling and reigning over all of His creation. We tend to anthropomorphize God. We make Him out to be one of us, flawed and sinful at best. And so we think that that ultimate sovereignty as we often say, ultimate power corrupts ultimately? Well, not with God. As we'll see today, it's a good pleasure that oozes, emanates out of His perfect will. For the details, here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's edition of Way of Grace. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill among men whom God is well pleased. The angels, the very night Christ was born, filled the skies, and they sang out a little hymn that is the very basis for the doctrines of the New Testament. The doctrine of Paul and of Jesus is shaped and informed by the message of these angels, explaining the birth, person, and mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill among men upon whom God is well pleased. There, beloved, you have an explanation of why the Lord Jesus Christ entered the world as the Savior of this world. He came to display and exert the glory of God in the lives of His people that peace might be really established upon this earth not just in heaven, but on earth among those people with whom God is well pleased. Now, last week we talked about glory and we talked about peace. Each one of the lines of this hymn that I just read focus on one word, glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill among people of God's good pleasure. We saw that glory is a display of everything that God is, of all of His power, His justice, His wisdom, His goodness, His truth, all of His perfections for the salvation of His people. And we saw that peace is a far bigger word than we normally think of. 
When we use the word peace today, it is normally an emotional, subjective thing. I have peace of mind. I have peace of conscience. Where in the Bible, peace, shalom in Old Testament Hebrew, and the word for peace in the New Testament is arini, are far bigger than our usage of the word peace. The word peace in Scripture means full restoration of health. Physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental. It means the restoration of order. It means rest from all disturbances, rest from all harassment. The word peace means reconciliation with God. That God and man who were enemies are now friends through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It also means the healing of broken relationships between people. Jesus Christ came not only to heal the broken relationship between man and God, bringing us together based on God himself, but that there may also be healing of relationships between men, that broken relationships between individuals might also be healed. He also did come to bring peace of conscience and peace of mind. When a person knows he's at peace with God, that he has been reconciled with God, and that God is no longer angry with him and his sins are forgiven, it brings peace to his conscience. And peace also means the restoration of order, the restoration of health, so that when a person becomes a Christian, he becomes healthy spiritually for the first time in his life, as well as mentally and emotionally, and many times, beloved, physically, because our mental and spiritual condition can affect us physically. But if that's not the case, of course, after a Christian dies, he is raised from the dead, and he becomes perfectly healthy. There is also social health. Christ came to bring health to the entire universe, the whole of humanity, by restoring peace and order on this earth. Now, who experiences this peace? Everyone in whom God displays his glory. When God manifests his glory in a man's life, that person then begins to experience peace like he never has before and will experience peace throughout all eternity. What is it to manifest God's glory? It is to display His perfections, His powers in your life that transforms your life from the inside out. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to be the Savior as Christ the Lord to display the transforming saving glory of God into people's lives. When God reveals himself to you, when he takes that blindfold off your eyes and he reveals his glory to you by faith, that transforms your life and you begin to experience peace in the deepest and fullest sense of the word. One of the most tragic things I know of in this life is how many professed Bible-believing, evangelical, Calvinistic, Presbyterian Christians have absolutely no peace, no peace of conscience, no peace in their heart, no peace in their social relationships. 
Are you such a person? Is your inner life filled with turmoil? Is your relationship with your wife or your husband, your children, your parents, your friends such that broken is the best word that can possibly describe that relationship? A Christian is someone not who merely has his name on the church rolls, because remember, Judas had his names on a church roll, but it is someone who has peace, someone whose conscience is at peace because he knows his sins have been, have been forgiven. So he doesn't keep whipping himself over and over and over. Someone whose whole inner life is at peace because even though he can't figure out why life brings upon him the things it does, he knows that God is in charge in all the affairs of men. So his heart is, doesn't grow weary. It is at rest. A Christian is someone who has peace with his family. It's not perfect in this life by any means. There are times when we can break each other's heart and we certainly hurt each other's feelings. But those are the exceptions, beloved. The rule is peace. Do you have peace? I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. I'm asking you if you really have peace in the center of your life. The Lord Jesus Christ came to bring peace to weary people. And he brings peace by revealing God to a person's heart. So listen, the more you know of God and his glory, the more peace you will become. The more peaceful you will become. And you can only know more about God by reading his word, by praying by participating in all the means of grace, beloved, as often as you possibly can. If you are here today and your life is not one of peace, there is only one answer. And it is not because the Bible does not work. It is not because the gospel has failed you. It is because somewhere along the line you have stopped believing the gospel. You have stopped looking to Jesus to be your Savior. You have allowed the tempest of this life to so overwhelm you that you have taken your eyes off of Jesus. The moment you take your eyes off of him, like Peter, you start to sink in the waves. This is not a psychological problem. This is not a psychiatric problem. If your life is one of turmoil and not peace, it is because you have stopped believing in the saving power of Jesus and you have stopped looking to Him to hold you up when all the waves are rolling upon you. The Lord Jesus Christ was sent to earth by God to bring you peace by revealing to you the glory of God. And when you take your eyes off the glory of God... And you quit being consumed by him. You lose the enthusiasm and you quit feeling, filling your mind and your heart and your life with him. You will sink, you will stumble, and you will fall. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior who came to manifest the glory of God and to give you peace.
Now, who are those people who experience peace and have the glory of God revealed in their hearts? Our text says they are people with whom he, God, is pleased. Now, notice in verse 14, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, which I believe is a far better translation than most. Because some of the translations, my friends, of verse 14 are very misleading at best and mostly just simply inaccurate. The angel sang, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among men with whom he is well pleased, or peace among people of God's good pleasure. The King James Version says, goodwill toward men. And we hear this version around Christmas every year. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And the misleading implication of that is, is that God has goodwill toward all men. God is favorably disposed toward all men indiscriminately. God displays goodwill toward everyone. That is a terrible, misleading translation because God does not look favorably on everyone in the entire human race. There are some people he is very angry with and there are some people he even hates, Scripture says. Read Psalm 6 and read Psalm 31 just to mention two. So to say God, so to say goodwill toward men is the correct translation, is inaccurate, because it leads people to believe that God has good feelings toward everyone without exception. There was a second misleading translation that you read a lot, and that is this, and peace among men of goodwill. You've heard that one before, I'm sure, right? Peace among men of goodwill implies that good men, that goodwill in men brings down the peace of God. That men of goodwill, men who are basically good, men who are of good spiritual health, honest men of integrity, deserve God's favor, peace, and God's mercy. So according to this position, God came to bring peace to everyone who deserves it? Everyone who has a good will. Now, right, we know that this flies in the face of the gospel of, its, for its, of itself because it says no one has good will. The Bible says that a person without Christ does not subject himself to the law of God. He is not even able to do so, and he who is of the flesh cannot please God. His will is bent forever in a direction in rebellion against God. God did not come to save men who have a good will because there is no such being outside of God's saving grace. The accurate translation goes something like this. Peace on earth toward people of God's good pleasure or peace upon people who God's good pleasure rest. Now the point is, the phrase goodwill or good pleasure 
flows from God, describing God, not man. They will experience peace who are the persons upon whom God's good pleasure rests. The point the angels are making is simply this. Peace on earth in the highest sense will become a reality in the lives of those who are blessed by the goodwill and gracious favor of God. The Greek word here for good pleasure is eudokia. And it means the free, now listen to this, it means the free and sovereign determination of God to save people of His own choosing. Now you might write this down. The word good pleasure here in our text, or whom He is well pleased, refers to the free and sovereign determination on God's part to save people of His choosing. So what the angels were singing is this, those upon whom God's good pleasure rests are those who enjoy His peace because they, they alone are the ones who have been chosen sovereignly by God before the beginning of time for salvation according to the good pleasure of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace. So when we see the phrase of God's good pleasure... We are face to face again, beloved, with the sovereignty of God. We are face to face again with predestination. Glory to God in the highest peace on earth among those people whom God's good pleasure rests, whom God has lovingly chose for Himself to be His people throughout all eternity. Now, since this hymn is defining the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's important to understand that Christ came to earth to carry out the dictates of God's good pleasure. Christ said, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me. Remember, we've already talked about this. He came to accomplish God's good purposes. The Lord Jesus Christ and the whole subject of predestination, election, the sovereignty of God are so intertwined that you cannot possibly understand one without the other. And to Jesus Christ, who has no connection to predestination, is an idol. It is a vain God. There is no such Jesus. An understanding of predestination that does not center on Jesus Christ is a rationalistic form of fatalism with a few baptized Christian words just sprinkled over it. You must never try to understand the work of the Lord Jesus Christ apart from predestination and the sovereignty of God, and you must never try to understand predestination and the sovereignty of God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, they are inseparable. Jesus came to carry out the program, 
to carry out the dictates, to execute the plan of God's good pleasure that he established before this earth was formed and of God's good will and of God's choice. You know, there are all kinds of words in the Greek for choice and election in the New Testament. But this word, eudokia, good pleasure, brings out God's love. Because this word means that he delights in something that he possesses. Something that is the object of his choice. Something that he rests in. Something that he loves. Elect is a good word. Select is a good word. Predestined is a good word. The will of God is a good phrase. But the one phrase that focuses on the delight and the love of God for those whom he possesses and chooses for himself is the phrase, good pleasure, eudokia. God could have said, peace among men whom he predestined. But instead, God uses a word that focuses on love and delight. Peace among those whom God's good pleasure rests. I want you to look at some of the passages in the New Testament to see where eudokia is used so you can literally see the richness of this word. This is one of the sweetest words in all of Scripture. It should be one of the most satisfying to us. It is one of the most soul-nourishing words in all of God's Word. It is right at the heart of the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ, whom you love, came to carry out the good pleasure of God, to carry out His dictates, to carry out His plan. He came to bring peace to everyone whom God's good pleasure rests. And if God's good pleasure does not rest on your life, you shall never have peace. If God's good pleasure does not rest on your life, then the Lord Jesus Christ did not come to be your Savior. Your salvation depends on whether or not you are one of those people whom His good pleasure rests. And remember, beloved, I'm trying to get you to understand that this isn't some icy cold word. The word is not detached from emotions. God is here expressing His love to those whom He has chosen. His good pleasure rests upon you if you are one of His. Praise God, beloved. God actually delights in you. And He has chosen you to be His own. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful to live your life knowing God delights in you? Well, you can. It's a wonderful thing to know your wife or your husband delights in you. What kind of life would you have if every day, men, when you went off to work, or ladies, when you stayed at home watching after the children, you had to wonder whether or not your spouse loves you and whether you were important to your spouse or not? That's why women love to have flowers sent to them or receive a phone call during the day from their husband while they're at work. Because it means sometime during the day, men, 
you thought about her. You delighted in her, and she is the object of your choice. And it's the same with men, ladies. They like a phone call as well, just to let them know you're thinking about them. Or even a mere touch on the shoulder or a kiss when they come home. Simple things to let him know you delight in him. That he is the object and choice of your affection alone. That your heart rests on him. It is very satisfying to have someone who delights in you and in whom you delight in as well. But oh, what a more infinitely satisfying thing it is, even if your spouse doesn't delight in you, to know that God delights in you. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.